Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I'm here with Dennis Berry. Dennis is a best-selling author, speaker, and coach, and he's been working with people worldwide for over 15 years. He's been sober since, since 2003, during which time he became a successful businessman, an athlete, and a family man. And he now works to help others achieve inner peace and success and master every area of their lives. And he hosts a podcast called The Funky Brain Podcast, which is focused on addiction recovery and life mastery. So welcome. It's so nice to have you here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I love your energy. I love the whole concept of uh, really bringing mindfulness and meditation into the world even more than it already is. And uh, so I'm excited for a great talk. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So I want to start with your background and um, and what led to your sobriety in 2003. Is there anything you'd like to share just around your, your whole background? Yeah, sure. Oh, my life's an open book. Um, it, well, it's in a book. Yeah. All, <laughs> like every, there's no secrets here. But, Wonderful. You know, I hope that my mistakes and my pain and heartaches and failures and all that stuff that we all have, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm just sharing mine. And I hope that uh, all that stuff helps somebody, which is why I do what I do. But so my background, I'm an old ski guy, ski racer, ski bum, party guy, chef, uh, and led that lifestyle for about um, 10 years or so. And downhill uh, skiing. Yes, downhill skiing. Oh, wow. Yeah, up in the Northeast. Okay. We're really cold. <laughs> Which is why I live on a beach now. Yeah. Oh, so you but, went um, from the mountains to the water. You've, you're covering yeah, well, it all. I just, yeah, I just moved here a few months ago, mm-hmm. and I'm in Mexico. And, oh, wow. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. But I lived in the mountains for thirty over thirty years, really? and it's interesting. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit. But the if if we go there, but yeah. uh, but to stay with that, it was like my life was just crazy. It was like that crazy kind of life that you would envision the chef, skier, party guy to yeah. be, and uh, it was all of that. And then it was fun until it wasn't fun anymore. And then I and then I couldn't stop. And then it, it ended up being just a, a painful way of living. And then. Finally, at the end, I was just emotionally, financially, physically bankrupt. And Mm. that's uh, kind of sadly, that's what it took for me to change, to make the changes in my life to get me to uh, enjoy life instead of just existing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so in 2003, I was in enough pain after losing my job. And uh, I had a girl, girlfriend at the time, which was amazing. And she's wonderful. And uh she came into the room and I, I had passed out in my clothes and I peed my pants and I was just, my whole life had come to like this like head, you know? And she just, she looked at me and she's like, you know, this, this isn't going to work. And I just started crying and I said, I can't stop. I don't know what to do. And I, I, two days later I was in a rehab treatment center and I was there for 30 days and I've been sober since, but then Throughout that time, I had to learn it's not about not drinking. It's about growing up and looking the world in the eye and being honest and open and willing to make the changes to enjoy this precious life that we have. Oh, that's beautiful. So do you feel like you were using alcohol as a way to cover up like what you didn't want to see? Um, or was it, did you more feel like it, you just liked the way it made you feel and it, and then it kind of got out of control or. Yeah. Well, the short answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. To both. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. So you know, to, then let's go back to the beginning when I was five years old, my grandmother said to my mother, she said, he worries like a little old man. Oh, wow. Yeah. So at five years old, I was already full of that, that and like a, a lot of us, all of us you know, the fears, insecurities of the big, crazy world that we live in. And, uh, but I never learned how to cope with any of it, not in any healthy way. And then you fast forward 15 years old, I take my first drink and I'm like, 
I feel great. <laughs> yes, it was that relief I was looking for. Mm. And then so I stopped emotionally growing right around that time. And then I went crazy for 15, 16 years. And then, um, then I stopped drinking. I stopped doing the drugs, all the distractions, all the coping skills. But the problem was I took, and this is why most people fail in sobriety is because it's, it's hard. Right. Mm-hmm. And we, we have a um, expression in the world of recovery. It says we only have to change one thing and that's everything. I was going to say, wow, it's much simpler than you're making it sound. Just one thing. Oh, just one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really everything because basically the the way that I learned how to live and I I don't like using labels or words or judging our thoughts and stuff, but it was wrong because it it wasn't working. Mm. Right. And some people I have friends that still still try to behave that way. And are are they happy? Maybe it's not my responsibility, but I know that I just found the more peaceful, better way of living for me, but it took a lot of work and a lot of uh, uh, discomfort, you know, to get to that place of emotional wellness, which varies on a daily basis based on my spiritual and emotional condition. And what am I doing to maintain that? And that comes from meditation, which is why I'm so excited to be on your show. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. So I can imagine, I mean, first of all, that's really, I find it really impressive that you did a 30 day program. And then from that point on, it was, you know, full steam ahead, because I know that that that's not always the case. I imagine when you came out after 30 days, you had to completely restructure your life and, and, and completely recondition yourself. What was that like? Yeah, and a great question. And let me preempt that with this is when, when you see me, because now I am, I'm like the athlete guy, I'm almost 50. And I was, when I stopped, I was uh, 31 and I was like 240 pounds. And now I'm like 170 pounds. Wow. But, you know, I, I want to say this when you look at me, you see a happy, healthy, successful guy. But what you don't see is the hundred fails that failed attempts before I got to that rehab. You know, you didn't see all the pain that went in before this transformation started. So when you say, Oh, you just went to that one treatment facility for 30 days, that was like the end of a lot of pain. Oh, so wow. I want people to understand that because, uh, you know, I have clients that have been to 10 treatment facilities. I have mm-hmm. clients that just can't stop shooting heroin and all that stuff. And I, I was not a, a heroin user, but I, I mean, I did a lot of other drugs and there was a lot of uh, failed attempts at becoming who I am today leading up to that. So I want people to know that. Yeah, it's, I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, so please look at it that way. And But to, answer, to go back and answer that, yes, it was really um, challenging and painful. And then I ended that relationship because uh, the relationships are probably the toughest thing in the world to do as a relationship. Um, it can be very challenging. And uh, I wasn't emotionally ready for that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I had lots of other relationships. And then I had lots of other failed business attempts and financial problems and health problems and all the other things that we have to deal with as human beings here on earth. And uh, But I've been having those problems my whole life. I always use drugs and alcohol to, to cope with those or to cover them up or to deal with them. Mm-hmm. And now I, we say, I used to use drugs and alcohol to alter my mind. And now I use meditation and a healthy diet and lots of water to alter my mind. You know, mm-hmm. so it's just, what are you using to alter your mind today? I love that. I mean, it comes down to the conditioning. And I mean, I, I am fascinated by our conditioning and, and in general, and, and all the things that go into that, our lineage, our, our heritage, our society as it is now, our social groups, our relationships, I mean, all of that. And, you know, all of that is in the, the media, the what we're listening to, what we're watching. Um, and it's, it is like, we're being shaped whether we want to or not. We're relational beings. We exist in relation. I mean, not, I would say in a meditation state, it's very much less so relational. That's really when you're getting down to that like essence of really who you are. But when we're out in the world, 
we're relational beings. It's like a lot of times, and, and a lot of people, many, many, many people are only living in relation. They're only living in that reflection and of who they are and not taking the time to really see, you know, actually, who am I? Who, who am I really? Um, but then going through that transformation that you mentioned of, of reconditioning and reevaluating, okay, this is how I have approached all of my problems and taking that step back to say, okay, this is not in my highest good. This isn't what's working. So then having this complete flip where it's like, okay, I have to rewire and restructure and redefine what does my day look like? How do I cope with all of these stressors? Because life is still going to bring this stuff to me. It's still going to hit me. So what do I do? You know, how do I reapproach? How? What's the new way? What's a healthier way to approach that? So it's amazing that you were able to find so many different approaches, so many different ways, like you've just mentioned, as far as, you know, the drinking enough water, good quality water, and your nutrition, and your, you know, exercise and kind of multifaceted approach to take the place of the, the more destructive behaviors. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, and I love what you said when we are relational, but another one, and one of the hardest relationships to have is with ourselves. Yeah. You know, and that's why the meditation really helps with that. The answers come in the stillness and the silence. And, you know, guided meditations are nice too. And I, I do them and I, I share them with my clients and uh, I, I think they're powerful too. But the silence is just so powerful. And most people are scared to death to sit with their own thoughts in silence. And there's an old philosopher, that old um, uh, adage, or not adage, but it was a quote. And it's like, all of men and women's problems come from our inability to sit quietly in a room alone. We always have to be going and doing and doing. And we call it the gotta, gotta, gotta mind, right? I gotta do this. I gotta do that. I gotta make money. I gotta lose weight. I gotta do gotta, gotta, gotta. And we get, we make ourselves sick, right? We, we, we gotta be, sometimes we just, we gotta be. And um, I, it's so important to remember these things. And the, and the real truth is like, I got to calm down. I, I got to move slower. I got to get recentered. I got to love and respect and care for myself. I got to remove the obstacles in my life that are keeping me from getting where I want to go. Because the answer is always less, right? We always like, oh, I have this problem. I need, I need this book. I need this podcast. I need this. I, I have to add these things to help take that problem away. When really we have to add the blockages that are already in our lives and make room for the solution, make room for life to unfold. Because we're, we're always adding, 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 and there's no more room. Yeah. And that, it's a hard awareness to, to come to, because we, like you said, we weren't conditioned that way. Yeah. And we're, yeah. when we're growing up, we're like, you gotta be a lawyer, you gotta be a doctor, you gotta go, 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 more and more and more. And that's hard for us, that's stressful. It used to be, we're just animals, you know, mm -hmm. here on this planet, like, like, the beavers and moose and bears and dogs and like they were just creatures and they're like do i am i gonna eat today you know it's like i have to go get some food today and we're like well i gotta take the kids to soccer practice get here sit in traffic i have to look good on facebook i have to lose 30 pounds and what's going on with politics and this we can't handle that it's too much yeah. and so you notice when we go on vacation we go to the beach or the mountains or the lake or wherever your happy place in nature is. And as soon as we get there, we calm down. We can breathe. The air is fresher. There's less noises, the sirens, the lawnmowers, the leaf blowers, all these things. Those unnatural noises, they invade us and we don't know how to do that. And that's why we get tense and stressed out and sick. And then at the end of our vacation, everybody says the same thing. Oh, it's back to the real world tomorrow. Mm. But this isn't the real world. This is the world that has us sick and stressed and whacked out. And we need drugs and medications to keep us okay. And then we spend all our time in this crazy world to make money so we can spend a lot of money to go back to the real world for a week where we belong. Mm -hmm. So it's a paradox. We have it all wrong. And we really need to remove 
those stressors and remove the things in our life that are making us sick and unhappy and take care of ourselves. And then you become happier and you become more centered and you respond intelligently instead of overreacting and, and ruining our relationships and our health and damaging yeah. people in our lives. That's so beautiful and it's such an important point. And I remember coming across a study um, a little while ago that talked about vacations and how we feel so, you know, it changes how we feel uh, mentally and that it, it studied how long that effect lasts. And then compare, yeah, you're, you're just holding up, you know, you're just a tiny bit. Um, and, and they compared that with like a meditation practice and, and the, you, I I can't remember now because I'm just, I'm trying to access the file in my mind, but it was like the, the amount of time that we hold on to that feeling from a vacation, it, it quite quickly deteriorates, you know, where where we get back to that baseline. Um, But with meditation, you achieve that same level of calmness or whatever they were measuring, that positive benefit of of, um, vacation, that you access that same level with a mindfulness or with a meditation practice, but it it carries on because you carry on with your meditation. So the suggestion from it was, you know, if you want to be able to uh, maintain that, that peace and that tranquility and that, that if you want to have that as your baseline, then your meditation practice will be imperative to that long-term achievement. I hate to use that word in, in relation to meditation, but you know, you can kind of maintain that level through a meditation practice. Yeah, totally. So, you know, I mean, you know this stuff, but when you meditate, your brain produces the happy chemicals. You get the melatonin, the serotonin, that things in, that help keep us calm instead of the cortisol, which stresses us out and keeps us sick. And the, but you just said another important word, practice. Mm-hmm. It's a practice. So when we produce those chemicals, I, I say to people all the time, let's say you go pick up a pair of dumbbells and you do 10 curls, and then next month you come back and do 10 more, what's going to happen? Not much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not much is going to happen, at least not the results that you want. And it's the same thing with meditation. People are like, I tried meditation, it didn't work. Well, if you try meditation for five minutes and not again until next month, it's not, you're not going to get the results and, uh, or the benefits. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the other thing about the the melatonin, the serotonin, the, the happy chemicals that our brains produce is that the same thing what you were just talking about with the vacation it wears away those effects wear away so it's cumulative Mm -hmm. so the more we meditate the more those things stay in our body the more calm we become and the people in our vicinity also become calm it's an amazing it's really an amazing tool and we've known this for thousands of years there's nothing new you know, Dennis and Cara didn't make this up. This is like universal laws that mm-hmm. exist. And all you have to do, it's been here longer than Xanax. It's been here longer than all the other stuff. We just have to access it. But we're conditioned through the media, through marketing and everything to say, you don't need to meditate. Just go to Chick-fil-A, yeah. right? All you need in the middle of the afternoon is to have a Big Mac and French fries and a Coca-Cola. That, and that's what people are turning to instead of let's do meditation for 10 minutes and get re-centered. Instead, we're sitting at a drive through in the middle of the afternoon looking at Facebook and wondering why we're overweight and overwhelmed. Right. And it's interesting. I love that point because this is like this holistic, accessible, natural thing that is there for us that we have been designed for. Um, the things that you mentioned that we use to get that hit within our brain that releases those chemicals like the fast Dopamine. food, the processed food. Yeah. And even like the the Facebook, the social media and the reward centers that we're hitting, the, the way that that has an effect on us has been chemically, you know, it has been very carefully designed to manipulate 
And that is important for us to recognize, too, is that, you know, there is, um, you know, with processed food, for example, like there's, it's specifically designed to create that so that you want more. And, um, and it, you know, of course, we know that it's not actually what's going to nourish us, but it, it releases this sort of this, it, it has a chemical response, but it's, it's important for us to keep that in mind of the, uh, the driving force behind that, which is to get you to participate in that, you know, that behavior and keep, keep purchasing, keep, keep in that wheel, you know, of, yeah. of that cycle of getting the, the Big Mac and, and letting that release those hormones. And so that you do it again, you know, and yeah, yeah, totally. It's all marketing. It's all science. And we're like rats in an experiment. Like if you look at Facebook and, and this is, this is it, fun stuff. I love this. Yeah. Is like my favorite fun stuff. Right. But like you look at Facebook, the little red dots, it's like, it used to be, you have a message, right? You turn on and there's like, Facebook Messenger has a little red dot. Mm-hmm. So it's like that trips off dopamine and they know that. And now everywhere you look, there's red dots. There's red dots for, there, there's like 12 places to have red dots on your Facebook app. And now LinkedIn does it, Instagram, they all do it because they know red, it produces that dopamine hit that you were just talking about. And we're, and I want more. So I keep tapping on the app to say, what I want more dopamine. Who loves me? Who loves me? Who loves me? And who liked my posts, who loves my pictures, who wants to know more about me. And then I get to talk about me. And it's the same thing with the, um, the food. They know that. So you see the golden arches and then, you know, it's like, whatever that is, it's like, if I'm, if I'm stressed out, I don't like my job. My kids are messing up. My health is wrong. I'm $50,000 in debt. That's painful to think about. But for 10 minutes, I can go in 10 minutes for $4, I can go have a burger, fries and Coke and not have to think about my problems Yeah. and for, or find the solutions to those problems. I could just remove myself from that for the next 10 minutes, 10 to 30 minutes. So am I hungry or am I bored? I don't know, but my brain's getting trained to not have to deal with those things. And we're talking about fast food, but alcohol, weed, cigarettes, these are all just distractions. There's a physical addictive component to it, but they're all just distractions, Mm. right? Codependency, that's the biggest addiction in the whole world. Oh, yeah. All these things take us away from feeling, which is ultimately what none of us really want to do because feeling is hard. Yeah. Yeah. So meditation, when people are like, I can't sit calmly because we have to feel and we have to learn how to just let those feelings and thoughts just flow right through us like it's no big deal none of those thoughts are going to hurt us it's the thought and just let it if it comes in whoa ooh, that one sucked oh just let it keep going yeah you know and then come back it's okay you're going to be okay and then once you do that you realize oh i got through that last thought i can get through another one and i don't have to go to mcdonald's i don't have to go to chick-fil-a i don't have to get stoned i don't have to watch porn Mm -hmm. i don't have to play video games or watch netflix for eight hours these are all distractions from feeling. So meditation and mindfulness, which I love your show, is uh, is the cure. If you don't, I don't like using the word cure and and for anything, but it's really the treatment for yeah. these for this thinking condition that we're talking about. Right. That's so beautiful. So if we do go back to the sobriety. Um, point from before. I'm curious about um, if you, your opinion on sobriety as far as um, if it's best for everyone or just those who've developed that dependency on it. And so the reason that I ask this is that I had a revelation within myself a few years ago and I stopped drinking um, and I didn't have a, you know, quote unquote problem per se, I just drank socially or drank a few nights a week. And I would have like a a string of days in a row where I didn't drink. But at a certain point, uh, I recognized that if I wanted to make the most 
um, out of my time here <laughs> that, and really work on my energy and open myself up to energetic healing, for example, um, to the greatest extent possible, then I needed to seal up and kind of strengthen my field. And, and I recognized that alcohol was weakening me very subtly, even when I wasn't drinking. Um, because so like if, if I drank the night before, and I, you know, not a lot, but I was just, you know, the next day, your body is working on processing that and, and realigning itself and getting itself all strengthened back up and um, repairing damage. And so, and then that cumulative, you know, even if, again, even if you're not going out and getting wrecked or you're not like, you know, feeling like you're trying to run your problems away, but it's more of like a social thing. Um, it was something that dawned on me, you know, not until I was like 40, that, um, that even if I felt I had a handle on it, that it really was in my highest good to, to give it up. Um, so I just offer that as something for people to think about because, again, like it, it was sort of like a little light turned on for me and I was like, oh, I can take this further if I seal that up. Uh, I wondered what your take is on that. Yeah, sure. It's a problem if you feel like it's a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I remember I used to do a lot of the AA 12-step stuff years ago and I remember very early on, like my thing was I drank like, a gallon of whiskey sometimes in a day and I was wow. snorting cocaine and smoking cigarettes and my I mean I was like that crazy guy you would see in a movie right mm -hmm. so that was my story and I you know physically physiologically you can't do that forever because you're going to die which is mm -hmm. where I was headed but I remember early on they have different types of meetings and they had one they have speaker meetings where somebody just gets up and tells their story for a long time for whatever period of time and this woman she was sober I think 10 or 15 years at the time and this was a long time ago and her story was that she drank two shooters of vodka every day two of those little bottles of vodka mm -hmm. that was it hmm. and now to me that didn't make sense because that was like breakfast like oh, for me wow. like I would wake up and drink double that like as soon as I woke up to brush my teeth so I didn't understand that, but to her, it was a problem. So I think maybe she like, I think one day maybe she smacked her kid or something while she had her two shooters and like, it, it was like something that woke her up. So I can't tell you that you have a problem. If you feel like you, like things could go better, then maybe it's a problem if you can't stop. But that, you know, again, well, let's get back to that's just a distraction. Why am I doing that behavior? It's just a behavior pattern. It, it, at that especially at that point there's no real physical addiction so mm -hmm. and if you're able to say oh i'm just not going to drink for five days then it's just a distraction you know it's a learned behavior i this is my opinion people have mm -hmm. been fighting about both sides of this forever but it's learned behavior you know it's that there's this could, we could do a whole uh, another episode on this if you want to yeah but, genetics I mean, the, versus yes, behavior i, I don't yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. There could be very well a genetic component. I'm not a doctor and or a scientist, and I haven't studied it uh, at that level on a molecular level. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not qualified, so I don't pretend to be. But I know it's a learned behavior. You take people and you put them in different environments, and they're grown up different ways. And, you know, uh, we were talking about that conditioning program. Hopefully that conditioning program when we're growing up is, uh, I mean, they're all, I think, fairly well-intentioned. But where do they go? I don't know. But in my case, I was uncomfortable. When I was a late teens, my hair started falling out. That was hard for me. And I didn't know how to cope with that. So I just drank and got stoned and wore a hat for 15 years. I didn't have to learn how to cope with that. Mm. So uh, that helped me. But anyway, the point is, is like, if you think it's a problem, it's a problem. Right? Yeah. If you're, if you're uh, eating cookies every night, but you're not overweight and uh, life is fine and you don't have any remorse, it's not a problem. But if you're diabetic and mm. you eat cookies and it makes you sad in the morning and it's ruining your life or your relationship on some level, maybe it's a problem. 
but that's for you to decide. If you're not doing your work, if you're trying to start a business or build a business or grow your business or write a book or improve your relationship, uh, and you're watching six hours of Netflix every night before bed, instead of doing that, maybe that's a problem, mm. right? If you're not getting where you want to go, these are all just distractions. Yeah. So, but it's awareness. First, the first step is awareness. So in my book, I talk about a, a concept called the how approach. So the how approach to life. Um, people say, how do I get sober? How do I lose weight? How do I improve my relationships? How do I grow my business and get out of debt? But it stands for H-O-W, how. I have to first be honest and say, there's a, a problem. Things aren't going the way I want them to. And then once I do that, I become open to a new way of doing things, right? Maybe there's new solutions. And then I become willing to apply those things into my life. So how stands for honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. And then I can make changes. But the first step is I need to be honest and say things aren't going well. I'm watching too much Netflix. I'm watching too much porn and my sex life isn't good. I am drinking too much. I'm smoking weed. I'm playing video games. These are all distractions. And then if I say, oh, I'm doing this too much. I don't feel well. Or if I just keep doing it mindlessly and then all of a sudden three years goes by and why, how come I'm not where I want to be? But then sometimes I'm too deep and I don't know how to get out of it. So you need a coach or a therapist or somebody to help guide you through the process and then ask for help. And people try to achieve things and fail because they don't know how to do it and ask for help. People look at asking for help as a sign of weakness, but really it's a sign of strength. It's another paradox. So if you don't know how to do something, ask for help. You'll get there faster. Before Google Maps and Waze and all that stuff years ago, there was always the stereotype about the guys that don't like to ask directions because yeah, they don't yeah. want to sound weak or something. I was always that guy. To ask. I was like, I would rather ask somebody and look silly for uh, three minutes and get there in five minutes than drive around for an hour like an idiot trying to figure it out on my own and bang my head against the wall. Right. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I love that perspective of just, I mean, it really is just like everything. This is a, it's a journey and it's unique for every one of us. And so um, I love that approach of just the self-reflection and what, how is this working within my life or is it preventing? Is it a block? Is it, is it stopping me from achieving the highest life experience that I can have for myself? Yeah. Yeah. That's really like the goal. I mean, like we only have this one shot at life and, and it, like we think about, we, you know, I had a friend uh, who I went to high school with and so we're, uh, he's, a year or two older than me. And uh, six years ago, his 10 year old son, they were out on a boat, his son fell off and his head hit the prop and got killed. Oh my God. So he just has been crushed for six years. And, um, and I love him. And he tells his story. He was, he's been on my podcast to tell his story of grief. And he still suffers from grief every day. Of course, you're never going to get over it. That's the worst thing in the world that can happen is you're, your kid dies mm. and he, and you see it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. awful. But you know, all of his uh, grieving and all of his rants that he puts up on Facebook, which I love, it's a, that's the good, it's a good use of Facebook. You know, when you wake up with grief at two o'clock in the morning and he just unloads and you can go back and look at that wisdom that he's the pain that he's going through. But one day he said this, trust me, folks, we're worrying about the wrong stuff. We're worrying, what do people think about me? Am I five pounds overweight? Who's the president? All these things like that we spend so much time and that we're, we think we're so deeply ingrained uh, that these things are so important to us. They aren't, you know, we have it all wrong. At the end of the day, we're just a speck in time. And it's like, if time even exists, you know, just Time doesn't even really exist in this endless universe that we live in. And what are you doing with your time? You know, time is our most valuable asset. People think it's their investments, their cars, houses, money, all that stuff. None of that is our most valuable asset. Our most valuable asset is time. Time, youth, health, those are our most valuable assets, right? 
So what are you doing with your most valuable asset? Are you spending your most valuable assets worrying about what some politician is or is not doing for you? Mm. Are you worried about, do I have enough money in the bank or if I'm five pounds overweight? Or are you enjoying your most valuable asset? Are you spending it wisely? Are you looking to improve yourself or see how can I help somebody else enjoy their time? That's really what it's all about. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's that's very powerful. Um, and you know, sometimes we do need those those huge life wake up calls to help us to embody that. You know, to really understand that. Um, but bless those people who have come through who who have had to undergo those major traumas and and come come back and connect us to those lessons I mean that's a a huge service so that's beautiful yeah yeah it's hard every day I mean and Mm -hmm. he he puts it up there and it's just a reminder every day it's like appreciate the little things and uh the little things become the bigger things. And when we get older, I think some of that we just learned by getting older. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if we can access some of that at a younger age, we were talking about your kids before the show, or, mm-hmm. it, you know, being aware that this is out there. I mean, that's huge. I didn't know about meditation until about my thirties. Right. And, and then I was resistant to it then even too. And, yeah. you know, we learn what we learn when we learn it but to apply it into our lives as a regular practice. But once you see the benefits of it, you crave more. Mm -hmm. But it's getting to that point of seeing and feeling the benefits of of meditating uh, and mindfulness. And then you can start seeing the world differently and seeing that the, you know, the people, the road people driving around with road rage and giving you the finger and weaving in and out of traffic and like, angry people yelling at cash register people or waiters or whatever there there's just a lack of mindfulness there that's all that it is and but bringing awareness to it and then removing the obstacles and then getting recentered that's all is every day is just getting let's get recentered and then if like i like to meditate in the morning Right. As soon as I get up, if I wake up and grab my phone and look at politics and do all that stuff, that's the way my day goes. We have a choice. Or if I wake up and I read something productive, drink some water, meditate and get centered. That's the way my day goes. You know, it's up to you how you want your day to go. Most people think it's easier to grab the phone and start getting stressed out. And they don't realize that there's another option. But once you start doing it, then uh, you're like, ooh. I would much rather do this. I would much rather get centered, go for a walk, drink some water, don't eat sugar and all these things. And then my day just goes better. Then here's the cool thing. It's like, if I'm going through the day, I go to work or whatever it is I have to do, something happens with the kids and I get off center, you get back to center. That, that's it. All we have to do is redirect. It's really very, a lot simpler than we make it. You don't have to go sit up in the Himalayas with robes on for three weeks to meditate. You can go sit on the toilet for three minutes, <laughs> right? And get re-centered. Just yeah. sit there. What's going on? How, how is it making me feel? How can I change it? Yeah. Right? And don't control all of this stuff, but just be like, get centered. And, re- and then you can go back and approach the situation from center. Right. I love that. I love that where, you know, you, you can, it's about, it's about bringing your meditation to your waking time too, to your, your regular time where, you know, it's like, because for a long time, you know, I, I learned how to meditate. And so I had my techniques and in order to meditate, I had to have the right environment and I had to like have that silence and be able to sit down and really do my breath work to get me to the point where I was meditating, you know, all of that stuff. But it's, it's really, you know, that's a wonderful foundation. And it's important that we honor, you know, like the, a technique or a, um, you know, a method to help us to feel and experience that stillness, because it is very difficult, it might even be impossible to go 
straight to being able to bring a meditative experience into your when you're walking around, for example, with no training, with no experience of doing it in stillness. But ultimately, once we have that experience and we can understand kind of the the way that it feels to get into that and and we get better and better about getting into that center getting into that stillness and connecting with that center point then like you say when we're tri- when we're triggered or when we find ourselves off kilter we find ourselves in a challenging situation we don't necessarily have to go and find a, a quiet spot and sit down and do the breath work and do the techniques but it's really more about okay i need it now and I, but, and I know it's in there, you know, so maybe I do need to take some deep breaths and close my eyes, but I don't necessarily have to go and sit down and, and have a Zafu and, you know, whatever <laughs> to, to yeah, do it's it. A, yeah, it's just awareness. Mm-hmm. It's awareness. So uh, remember, you don't have to, like, if, if the day is going, oh, I'm having a bad day. Well, don't, you don't have to ruin the next 24 hours, waste the next 24 hours of your life. Go get recentered and have a good day now. Yeah, It's up to you, right? Go have a good day. So there's so many different forms of meditation, TM, transcendental meditation. They associate a word with, with uh, you get a word, right? Mm-hmm. But you can, I mean, you can go do pay for that if you want. But I mean, just pick a word, you know? And when I get off center, I say, okay, well, you know, peace. And now I'm back center. So that's the whole concept there. But uh, you know why people light incense during meditation? It's like when you go into a peaceful state of mind and there's that smell and you associate that smell with a peace of mind. So, you know, light incense, light candles, lavender has its known qualities, calming qualities. So I have lavender. I live in lavender. It's everywhere. It's just a, it's a lifestyle I've set up for myself. So I live in a peaceful state of mind. And then you can create that everywhere you go in your car, in your bedroom, your living room, wherever you go. And then when you smell that, it brings you back to center, mm-hmm. you know? So there's so many tips, tricks, and techniques, but ask somebody for help on how to get there or right. Google it, you know? Yeah. Be careful what you read on Google, but, you know, yeah. but there is so much information. Yeah. And yeah. if you're just trying to figure it out on yourself and you can't figure it out and you say, screw it, I'm going to go play video games for four hours, you're never going to figure it out. Yeah, right? right. And so some of those ways that people can connect, some of those resources that are available would be the funky brain. You have a podcast and you have books um, around the, the funky brain approach, I let's say. Um, and I think we've probably talked a lot about it, but can you talk to us, just talk us through kind of what is the, the funky brain approach well, my funky brain came from my my friends years ago in recovery. They say because I, I used to talk all the time when I was trying to figure out this thing called life, which I've figured out a little bit, but I still have a way to go. Don't and, we all? Uh, yeah, we all do. <laughs> and but they used to say, "Oh, Dennis has funky brain," and <laughs> and people were like, "What is funky brain?" I'm like, "I don't know," and I, I would just <laughs> like talk, but I was way off. And then my you know, whatever your truth was today might not have been your truth yesterday and it won't be tomorrow. It's like everything just changes all the time. And so I was going to call my book Funky Brain, but I call that Funky Wisdom because it implies growth. And I like that. Mm. And my podcast is the Funky Brain Podcast. So we talk about all kinds of different things similar to you. And um, but like what I've done here, the Life Mastery School. So I'm, I'm creating series of vi- free videos that you can watch on my website and Right now, there's the addiction recovery. I'm doing, uh, or I've done uh, love and relationships, uh, just mastery, life mastery school. And uh, I'm doing mindfulness and meditation right now. So I have a series of videos and there's some guided meditations, the mountain meditations, progressive muscle relaxation or body scan techniques. There's uh, other guided meditations and just like uh, what is mindfulness and meditation. So Funky brain just really refers to my funky brain. And well, and I do all these things because it helps me manage my funky brain. But I think we all have a funky brain. It's called the human condition. Nobody's has it all figured out. The Dalai Lama gets stressed out. Everybody does. You know, when you see um, these uh, uh, mindfulness and meditation gurus, 
they're not not thinking. They're just letting those thoughts not control them. The idea of meditation is not to control your thinking. It's to not let your thinking control you, mm. right? That's the idea. So that when they sit there, they're just, they don't not think. If you're not thinking completely, if your mind has shut down, that means you're dead. Mm. You don't want that, yeah. <laughs> right? We want to be breathing and thinking. That's what our brains are designed to do. But we don't want our thoughts to dictate our happiness of our day, if they're, especially if they're not going well. Mm. We just say, oh, there's a thought. Hmm, isn't that interesting? And mm. then let it go out the other side. So yeah, that's yeah. funky brain. You know, Buddha called it the monkey brain. Mm. Oh, right. Yeah, I like that. They, they rhyme. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. I mean, there's nothing. Again, yeah. the, none of this is Dennis's stuff. I, I don't take credit for any of this, and none of us can. And even the stuff we do know, the Buddhism stuff, the Tao, the Tao, the Tao, all all those things are thousands of years old. This is ancient wisdom, and all they did was write it down. Then these are universal laws mm-hmm. about the human condition that we've had since day one. Right. Yeah. But and I love that you have such a modern you have such modern experience to contrast and, uh, and reflect these teachings, you know, because it, it, it has been a very, um, you know, thousands of years ago, um, we may not have a story of, of, you know, an athlete, a, a, a skier who was partying all the time and, and, um, dealing with the modern, perils of life that that are so relatable to to so many because these are it, again the human condition as it is now in 2021 or back in 2000 you know when when it was maybe the the height of what you were dealing with and trying to cope with yeah. um, but then the the application of those ancient teachings um, is really important and beautiful and relatable well, thank you. I appreciate that. And please, again, I keep saying, ask for help. Like, yeah. if if it's not me, and please ask for help, and we can we'll have a free session. I can help set you in some sort of direction if you're struggling with whatever it is. But again, I don't have the market cornered. Like, if you don't connect with me, if what I'm saying, you're like Dennis is weirdo. I don't <laughs> want to talk to him. That's fine. Ask somebody. Yeah. Ask anybody. Say, you know, find somebody who has what you want. Right. So it's like if somebody uh, looks a certain way, acts a certain way, is successful, has good relationships, speaks well, all those things, say, hey, can we go grab a cup of coffee? I'm curious if you can. How did you get there? Everybody be tickled pink to be asked for help. Right. So just ask somebody, how did you get there? That's all this is. Like step out of your own box and your own bubble, which is keeping you stuck only you don't see it that way and ask for a different direction and then you'll get somewhere. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, So um, do you have, you've given a lot of tips and a lot of wisdom in our time together here. And I wondered if you have just one, one tip that comes to mind that you can give listeners today to help them begin working toward a better life. Sure. And I get that asked that a lot. And it's similar to what I just said. You know, a few months ago, I was in before I moved here to Mexico, there was I was in the at the gym in this um, in the sauna and this kid goes, he knew what I do. He knew me. And he's like, Dennis, he goes, if you have one tip for a young guy starting out, what would it be? And I always say the same thing. And this is one of my favorite quotes is don't ever lose your sense of wonder. Right. Mm -hmm. And I say, ask for help. And continue to ask for help. When I think I know the rules, the rules change, right? The change is the only constant in life, more wisdom, not from Dennis, but from Buddha. But it's like everything changes. The tough times never last, neither do the good times. Everything just always changes. So business changes, your relationships change, your health changes. Ask for help. Always ask for help. That's my, that's my biggest advice that I give out all the time is ask questions and continue to grow. Don't ever lose your sense of wonder. I love that. Yeah, that's beautiful. So we've talked also a little bit about this, but just as we wrap up, how can people learn more and connect with you? 
The best way is at dennisberry.com. That's my website. And from there, you can buy the book, schedule a free session, um, watch the podcast, blogs, and of course, Life Mastery School, where you can watch all those videos there. And uh, if you have any questions, please ask anytime. I'm here to help. Beautiful. I'll put all of that in the show notes so so that they're easily accessible. All right. Well, what a blessing to spend this time with you. It's really been very powerful. You have a lot of insight and wisdom and charisma. And, um, and I thank you for all that you're doing to help people to take those steps toward bettering themselves. It's really beautiful. Thank you. I feel the same about you. It's a, you have such a, a calm, peaceful vibe about you. And I don't know if that's how you are after the show, but right here, it's beautiful. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. That's really, really beautiful. Thank you. What an amazing light. That's Dennis Barry. Be sure to check him out and the Funky Brain podcast and his Life Mastery School and all of the wisdom and experience that he's offering. Um, Just a really, really great soul there. And thank you for your support and for listening today. Um, Please share this episode and and point more more people to Dennis's uh, wisdom and offerings. And I appreciate you subscribing to the podcast, rating, reviewing, all of that good stuff. I very much appreciate. So thank you again. And I look forward to the next meditation conversation. Mm -hmm.